Kia ora and welcome to this episode of Better Off Red. It's episode 60 and I'm Pip Adam and I'm very excited. Um, yeah, um, this it was astounding to talk to Anne Kennedy about her new novel The Ice Shelf which I think is probably, yeah, it's a standout novel of the year and I hate saying, well I get told off because I always say things are my favourite but I think yeah, I think it was my favourite novel of the year. Um, it's it's a magnificent piece of work. It's hilarious. It's tragic. It's yeah, and talks a little bit about um, about the relationships between, you know, hilarity and tragedy in this discussion. Um, yeah, so I got to talk with Anne um, at Unity Books in Wellington last week. There was a huge crowd there. Thank you for coming. Thank you for Victoria University Press. Um, thank you for Unity um, Books, especially Dylan and everybody there who just helped make it a magnificent, magnificent event. Um, yeah. Yay, local bookstores are the best. Um, yeah, it was such an incredible, incredible afternoon for me. So thank you all very, very much. Um, yeah, it meant a lot because I think Anne Kennedy has been an absolute hero of mine um, for a while. Um, I took a long time getting anything published, so I had this wonderful sort of apprenticeship of just adoring New Zealand writers. <laughs> and um, Anne's work, yeah... I'm just not sure there's anyone in New Zealand doing what Anne's doing and I'm not sure there has been anyone in New Zealand who's done what Anne's done. Yeah, um, she, you know, her early work is well worth um, revisiting. A lot of it is really genre slidey and slippery and um, yeah, it's just magnificent. And um, her last novel, The Last Days of the National Costume, is one of my favourite novels. And this new novel, The Ice Shelf, it's just, yeah, it's fantastic. I highly recommend the book and I highly, uh, highly uh, thank you. Yeah, I highly thank you for listening to this podcast. And yeah, thanks heaps. Oh, it's me again. Sorry, I bet you thought you were rid of me. Anyway, I will try to be concise. In December, I'm going to um, record a The New Animals spoiler um, episode. Um, we're going to have to work on that title because it's uh, the, let's call it a uh, New Animals um, spoiler episode. So um, yeah, if you've got any questions that perhaps we've been dodging because of the ending, um, or because there might be surprises for people who haven't read the book, please feel free to ask those. There are several ways you can do it. I am on Twitter at Pip Adam. Um, I'm also on the website um, betterreadnz.wordpress.com. So that's betterreadnz.wordpress.com. Um, we you there's a post about the spoiler special and on there there's a link to a survey monkey where you can ask a question but yeah it'll be so great um we've had some hilarious questions already and um yeah please don't be shy and you can ask anything um it doesn't necessarily have to be about the um last bit of the book um yeah it can be anything and um hopefully it'll be fun and not too I hope it's not too self-indulgent I was worrying it was self-indulgent but yeah I really just wanted thanks to everyone who's read the book because um yeah just thanks for reading the book I really appreciate it anyway thank you goodbye and here's Anne Kennedy and me at Unity thanks hi everyone um I'm Pip Adam and this is Anne Kennedy um, I'm very excited to be here today. Um, Anne is amazing. Um, she's been an inspiration for many years and yeah, I just absolutely love her work and I'm very excited to talk about this book which is just, I think is probably 
Yeah, I think it's my top book of the year. I just, I just would recommend it profusely. Is that a thing you can do? I don't know. Um, we're going to start off today, um, and we'll read um, a section from the book, just because I think it's nice to get the voice of the book in the room before we start asking questions. And then, um, as was already mentioned, we will probably talk for 30 minutes, and then we'll open up for some questions from the audience. So, Anne, would you like to begin? Sure. Yes. <laughs> Kia ora koutou. Um, it's lovely to be here. I just first want to say uh, thanks to Unity Books for hosting this today. Um, I just I um, I have fond memories of Unity Books going right back. I think about the first sort of book I ever bought for myself was from Unity Books, and it was from Nigel Cox across the counter. And just so this place is iconic, and so I just I want to acknowledge the the shop and the history and all that goes on here. It's just wonderful. Um, so thank you, Marion, for welcoming us. Thank you, Pip. I, this is the second time we've had a conversation like this, and I, I'm really looking forward to it, thank yep. you. And thank you all for coming along, so kia ora. So I'm, I'm going to read a bit of the ice shelf um, that's, I think, particularly sort of Wellington-y. I mean, the whole thing is set in Wellington, obviously, and I grew up here, so I have a relationship with Wellington. Um, so I'm going to read a bit where, um, where Janice, who is, has, is towing her fridge, which she's un, um, unwilling to part with, round Wellington this sort of long night she's trying to get someone to look after the, her fridge and she can't find anyone so she just sort of keeps taking it from venue to venue um, <laughs> but she also has this novel that she's been writing and editing as she goes and kind of shedding bits of paper but she has this iteration of it on her laptop so she knows that it exists and this is when she loses that bit so it's gone um, so it's set in the, um, up at the cable car, if any of you know that bit of Wellington. And it's late at night, it's dark, and it's near Christmas, and they just had a Christmas um, event in the Botanical Gardens, which I don't know if they really have them, but they do in this book. From the platform, I peer down the slope. Compared with the station, the incline falls away into darkness. I must confess to being nervous as I feel my way into nothingness, shuffling like an opium addict. But soon my eyes grow accustomed to the light and I see in the low ambient city light that I've reached the place where the flyover leaps out from the hillside and down to the next contour, where a station is wedged among a jumble of steps. I devolve and begin to crawl out onto the suspension. Where her laptop bag is out there, she's dropped it. Um, the ground is rather shingly, the carriageway not as wide as it seemed when I first surveyed it from the zigzag below. There's just a little wriggle room either side of the track. I wriggle along. Fortunately, the last cable car trip of the night has already happened. I was on it. So I don't have to contend with oncoming carriages. <laughs> Thank goodness for small mercies. But then I look down. The flyover is the height of, say, a 15-storey building. Way below, the motorway is stroby with late-night traffic. A mouthful of bile shoots up from my stomach. Clinging to the verge, I tell myself, Janice, you can do it. In the same tone I summon when I applied for the Antarctica residency. Why fucking not, Janice? I inch forward. My mantra is not having the effect I hoped for not on the scale of an Arts Council application. To be honest, for all my personal pep talk, I'm beginning to wish I'd never set out on this journey. 
My hands are sweating, my knees are scraped, I can barely see, and I swoon dizzily every time I so much as peek down at the surging motorway. I keep going only because not keeping going means facing the prospect of turning around and going back, and I don't know how I'm going to do that. Also, my laptop bag is no more than two metres away, very close to the edge. Janice, I say, somewhat weakly now, keep going, Janice. Thank your lucky stars. I feel the uncertain shroud of cinema of unease, that's an in-joke, settle over me. At this point, I take a breather and do happen to glance up at the stars. The night is now clear and a pointless scatter of the stronger heavenly bodies those, can that, those that assert themselves over the city lights twinkle. They are beautiful. With my head thrown back, I remember looking at the stars with Sorrel, that's her mother, on nights when we delivered rubbish bags to obscure points of the city, often on high, winding roads which engendered a sense of vertigo, both real and metaphorical. There on the flyover, teetering above the motorway, probably not the best position I've ever been in my life. I thank Sorrel, I thank her then, and I thank her now in these acknowledgements for bequeathing me the risk, risk anything attitude. I recognise that not many other people I've encountered in my life would have the gall, the balls, if I may be so boy-centric, to go after their recalcitrant laptop like a shepherd goes after her, his lost sheep. The realisation of how lucky I've been with my role models empowers me and I surge forward the last couple of metres, caring nothing for my knees, my hands, for the 50 metre drop to the motorway, with cars streaking like neon fish below, feeling dizzy as hell, I army crawl the last metre to where my laptop in its bag rests on the edge of the flyover. I sigh with relief that I'll be reunited with the digital iterations of my novel, not to mention my hardware. I reach out and the tips of my fingers make contact with the cool vinyl of my bag, my beloved concertina, my personal limbo, and I just about have it in my grasp. But at that moment, a huge gust of wind spirals up from the foment of air between the flyover and the motorway. I feel the vinyl recede from my fingers and my laptop bag is flipped over the edge. For a moment I lie still, my head on the gravel, abject, like a priest giving himself over to a life of paedophilia. <laughs> I don't want to, but I drag myself forward and peer over the edge of the flyover. I look down and see that the laptop <coughs> and bag have parted company. The bag is still zeroing down on the wind and on the slick motorway, bits of metal spray out like sparks from under the wheels of speeding cars. That was my laptop. I have to say, a tiny hopeful thought even then goes through my mind that this is not the end, that I could scoop up the pieces, dodging cars, that a computer geek in a um, working out of a prefab on a disused site might assemble those pieces lovingly, but it's just a thought. I shuffle back along the ledge and look out at the panorama of Wellington, trying to stay calm. 
then I feel a vibration on the flyover and hear a buzz coming from below. A carriage is travelling up the incline. Clearly there is one last journey of the night. If I was worried about how I am to turn around on the narrow verge and make my way back over the flyover to the platform, I need not have concerned myself. I don't know how I do it, but I somehow do. I have a memory of grazes, cold air, heartbeat, my life flashing before my eyes. I recall the taste of milk about to go off, a night of black plastic rubbish bags, how it felt to become a woman. Before long, I'm back on the zigzag, treading my way down the winding road to town. As I go, I think about how, in Antarctica, I will lie down on the ice and the small coldness inside me will feel at home. I hope there will be enough ice for me to lie down. I hope that my lying down in the ice will not cause a piece the size of New Zealand to fall off. I hope I will not warm Antarctica with my grief. Thank you. I just I want to say thank you to VP, uh, especially Fergus and um, Fergus who's over there, and Ashley who edited this book so sort of amazingly and lovingly. Thank you, VP. That's why it's VUP. here. Yes. So, it's a beautiful object, beautiful cover as well, um, and sand cover. Um, this book is set in Wellington, and I know that at least some of it was written in Wellington. Like, I met you when you were in the residency at Modern Letters. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about um, whether it was important to write it in Wellington or what effect being in Wellington had on writing a book about Wellington? Yeah, um, well, I did the last draft in Wellington, so that was a kind of bonus, and it was courtesy of IML, having a residency there, so thanks to them as well. Otherwise, I think it, I just, it wouldn't have been as good as it, as it turned out. <laughs> um, not to blame a trumpet, but, um, which I think Janice says. <laughs> Sorry, I, I wrote it out mostly, I started in Honolulu, where I lived for 10 years, mm. so, so the awareness from Wellington was actually part of it, just imagining Wellington and reimagining Wellington for the page, and I think it is very sort of it's a very sort of place-based book. So so I I envisaged it, and its Wellingtonness was very important. But I didn't need to be here to um, to to do that. Mm. But the strange thing was that ending up in Wellington, I did go and just sort of see does the flyover actually sort of come out from the motorway and does that zigzag go up there? Because I also wanted it to be quite realistic. But I found that I'd kind of overlaid it with my own, um, uh, what I'd already written. Mm. Yeah, so I, that, I found that process really fascinating. And I wonder if this happens for other people, that if you've written something, then does that actually overlay the land that's already existing? So, so I had all these experiences. Yeah, mm. it's, um, I, I think that was another question I was going to ask, is just the way that um, real Wellington sits in relation to the Wellington of the ice shelf and maybe if this isn't too bold a question to ask where did you make decisions to fictionalize things and not there, there's a commune in the book mm. and um, I can think of a couple of communes that are close oh, oh, what is it called a commune anyway you know there's mm. a yeah. group of people living together consciously yeah can you talk a little bit about that process of where to fictionalize and where well it's all fiction is that an interesting question? I yeah, no, yeah. no, it's a really good question. Um, yeah, you, um, 
I think before we discuss that, is, is the commune's centre point, but it's not, it's just a commune. It's, and I think everything in the book is, is you know, it's not based on anything real, mm. like it's mm. fiction. And, and I guess fiction just comes about as a, an amalgam of all kinds of things that you've read and imagined and experienced and, you know, it becomes this kind of ball of stuff that, that isn't real, but you're trying, you're sort of approximating perhaps some real things. So, so nothing in the book is based on any, anything that you could actually sort of point to and say, this is that. Um, but, um, but I did, uh, yeah, I think you, you were referring to this sort of meta thing sometimes yeah. that, so, you know, in fact, I mentioned my previous books in here mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Yes. And I, I, th I guess I wanted there to be a, um, to sort of disrupt the fiction, which I'm always interested in. Like, you know, I, I love kind of embedding myself in a book and that the book becomes your sort of reality for a while. But at the same time, I, I like being kind of challenged about whether this is real or not. And so I guess that's what I tried to do, to disrupt the reader's um, perhaps comfort that this is fiction, or well, maybe it isn't. So that's why I threw those things in. And mm. um, actually the, the other day I had a, another thought about that, about that those sort of real things that are in the book, that for years um, I wrote um, magic realism. I was one of those kind of 80s magic realists. Mm. And, um, and I've just completely moved away from that. So I kind of think that the, this is almost the opposite, that in, a ma in magic realism you're trying to um, make a world as sort of real as possible and then throw something in that is... Um, you know, plainly sort of bonkers. And this, uh, it's sort of, you know, a fictional world, but to sort of throw something in that is, actually you could equate that with something out there. Yeah. So I think I've sort of inverted myself that way. That's an amazing thought. That's blown my mind a little bit. Um, I, we need, I think we need to talk about Janice. Um, one of the first, one of the first metafictional things that happens is when you read this book, the first thing you're approached with is the acknowledgement section, which becomes the book, you know, and it is told, as you can tell from this reading, there's a lot about gratitude and Janice's particular gratitude and um, a lot of it depends on Janice's voice. And I'm just wondering, it's a very cliched question, but I'm wondering at what point did that voice come, you know, like, was it an immediate thing? Yeah. Can you talk a little bit yeah. about that? Oh, no, not cliched at all, because um, I think the voice is the sort of engine of this book. Mm. Um, if, if a novel's going to have any kind of particular engine to a sort of plot or place or whatever, for, for me, the engine is Janice's voice. So um, I, I don't normally have such a sort of profound beginning of any kind of work, but for this, I remember the moment it sort of happened for me. And we... I, we were living in Honolulu, we lived there for 10 years, and I was just sort of doing housework actually, and I came across this copy of the New York um, Review of Books, as you do when you're doing housework, <laughs> and just all over the place, like, shuffling them together, and I just, I, I just opened one, and there was this letter to the editor from a writer complaining about a book review, yes. and it was like, and it was like, thank you to so-and-so for pointing out to me, you know, just what a terrible writer I am, and I will take this on board, and, my, and I promise my next book will be better. And I was just like, oh, my God. And, this, and it's Janice. That's Janice. And so it was a sort of oh, oh my God, moment for mm. me. 
but obviously I you know, tried to sort of craft Janice over the many years it took to write the book, but that's how it started. Mm. Mm. And I think, um, oh, I'm not quite sure how to even say this, but you know, it's very hard to talk about, to talk about this book reading it is a very different experience like if someone said to me oh it's an exercise in voice and you know like the the protagonist is perhaps often um saying one thing but meaning another you know i might think to myself oh yeah but you do something incredible with janice in here that i just don't feel like i've read for ages where I just don't even know how to say this. She's not the most likable person to begin with. <laughs> and and like I and then as I read I realized that there are certain things that she says and does which made me realize that I'm if I if this was a man's voice, I would be feeling very different about that. Yeah, Do you have any right. thoughts on that or um, am I just No, no, no. That's a, such a pip question, thank you. Oh. No, that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, that just sort of yeah, um, it sort of upsets the apple cart in a great way about the character of Janice like you know could she be a man mm. yeah um uh I I guess I mean she sort of arrived to me as as a woman mm. and so mm. I just sort of wrote along those lines but I think that's really useful to sort of you know kind of interrogate your characters where they kind of where they stand on any kind of sort of binary you know uh meter and and I think Janice um is it's, she's quite unformed and that she's she's constant I see her as constantly forming herself she's sort of forming herself against everything she comes across and that's why she's so horrible and sort of challenging to people and sort of rude and everything because she doesn't quite know who she is so she's sort of forming herself um, and I think in ways that we sort of all do all through our lives but some people to a greater degree mm-hmm. so Janice could be in anywhere, I think. Yes, I think she, like the jewelry will always be out on Janice. Mm. Um, but that, but also the question of uh, maybe if I just sort of go sideways with this question about a woman writing, you know, writing a, as a woman writing a woman um, that I've written men before, mm. but um, but I really don't know if I got them right. Like I do, I do feel that I, I've just kind of and can inhabit Janice in a way that I can't really with a man. So that this is just a question that everyone asks as writers all the time. Mm. Can, you know, can you write difference? And I feel, I feel more comfortable not. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, one thing about this book is that it is just hilarious. Um, like I, I found myself laughing out loud in airports and places while reading it. It's one of the funniest books I've ever read. Did you? Did you realise it was funny as you were writing it? Well, well you don't know if other people yeah. share your sense of humour. Mm. So I thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wanted it to be funny and I thought it was funny and sometimes I'd laugh to myself. But I, I was prepared for no one else to find it funny. Um, you know, because humour is so subjective and it's so cultural and there are obviously some people just not find this book funny. Mm. So I, I, just, I hope that they do. I, I was just thinking about your last novel as well, which I also found really funny. Do you, um, do, oh, this is a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because maybe you can rebel. Um, does this book need to be funny? Like, yeah, does oh, Janice yeah. need to be funny? Uh, well, yeah, I think Janice needs to be funny and the book needs to be funny, because it, it's actually, for me, a tragedy. I mean, for me, the underlying, the subtext of this book, or the theme is 
climate change and what mm. what we're doing to screw up the planet and how we're not doing anything about it and then we have we're just wearing these outrageous masks as we sort of ban you know plastic straws and feel like really great about putting our recycling out and stuff like that but we actually are just standing for terrible things going on so that to me that's why I wrote the book yeah. um, and I've wanted Janice to sort of be the to kind of represent that um, so it had to be funny because it's just so serious that there's no other way apart from laughing at it mm. it's gallows humor Mm. Yeah, and it, it is really, it, it mm. is just so funny. Sorry, I just can't stop talking about it. And upsetting. And that's what I think is really interesting is that that real razor's edge that it walks, um, where, you know, there were parts of the book where I felt deeply sad. And I don't know, I don't know. I think those two those two bodily functions are quite similar, aren't they? Crying and laughing. Yeah, oh, exactly. And it's a rawness. I, uh, um, but I think that laughing and grief are very close and they're, they actually sort of come from our bodies. Um, so that, that's why I'm interested in humour because I think it exposes uh, all kinds of emotions. Mm. Yeah, so I, this, is not, this is my first book that's just sort of trying to be funny the whole time but I've always been interested in humour and, and my favourite books are funny. Yeah. Um, but it, yes, it's a, it opens up a rawness, I think, or a sort of... Um, uncharted emotion that you you can't really tell where humor is going to take you and you can't tell where grief will take you so I think they're very close most comedians um, are you know deal with that territory actually I just want to say you know the Trump the you know it's the sort of golden era of the stand-up comic because there's just so much of it to so much material and I, I think, even though this predates that, I think I've sort of been affected by the rise of the female comedian. So I, when I was young, I remember when people actually used to say, women aren't funny. Does anyone else remember that? I mean, just so <laughs> outrageous, eh? Yeah, women aren't funny. And so and we, inter we kind of internalised that. And now that's just blown out of the water. There are just so many fantastic female comedians like um, Rose Matafeo from New Zealand, Hannah Gadsby, they just go on and on. So I, I feel influenced by that sort of rise of comedians and I and I think this book partly comes out of being inspired by that. Yeah, it's just fantastic. Um, I'm going to take a dark turn before we go here. There are some violent acts that take place in the book and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about writing violence. Mm, okay. It's, yeah, it's hard to write. Um, yeah, there's a rape in it, um, so I don't mind spilling the beans on that. Um, and again, the sort of rawness of, of trying to be funny, but, it's, you know, that humour is about terrible stuff. Um, I guess the rape um, is to do, hopefully represents, um, again, the, the place of women. You know, th this is a sort of pre-Me Too book because Janice is just like shat upon by sort of everybody she comes across. Um, and, and I think the rape hopefully kind of carries that. Um, so I, I also wanted the rape to be uh, a dark period in the book that just isn't funny for a few pages. Mm. This is mm. not funny. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's incredible how it lands. Like it's, it is, it's a, yeah, it's just a masterpiece. Um, of writing like the control throughout the book is just quite incredible you know like um, Thank you. and 
I guess I'm just going to ask one more question. Um, one of the things that Janice, one of the interesting things about Janice's journey on that night is that she's accompanied by a refrigerator. It's quite a big object. It's quite hard to carry around. Um, how do you, that feels like quite, I don't even know if this word's in fashion anymore, but it feels like an absurdist move. Like it oh, feels yeah. like a Beckett kind of move. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, I mean, from the beginning, did you see her with this refrigerator or, you know, like, and it's very hard not to read it as symbolic as well, oh, but yeah. you're very clever the way that you manage that. I hope it's symbolic. Oh, good. Um, yeah, I hope everything is. <laughs> I always like, why write novel, you know? <laughs> um, um, yeah, no, I always saw, saw Janice with this fridge that she couldn't, that, that sort of arrived on the day with the New York uh, Review of Books thing, you know, oh, she has a fridge. Um, <laughs> but, um, um, sorry, where was I going with that? Um, maybe I answered it. Yeah. I always saw her with the fridge. Yeah. And it's a burdened, you know, so like we all are. Um, and, and just sort of unwilling to give up things. I think that's what I hope that the fridge says that that we we just won't part with you know um our lifestyles mm. that's yeah. so true mm. did you do any research did you carry around fridges because it's, it's not even like one of those modern no nice I fridges no it's I'm, one of those I haven't done heavy. that but I have to say like um I I don't drive and so when I go to the supermarket I I take a trundler and after this at coming home with my Heavy trend. I think, oh no, and you're not Janice, you're not. <laughs> like, Please, just Janice, get away from me. You know? <laughs> um, but I do that a lot. Mm. So I, I, it's probably partly came from that. Yeah. 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 Mm. It sounds really cool. Um, are there any questions um, from people in the audience that would like to ask? Thank um, you. So there's never been a, a commune in Thai Happy? In Thai Happy, has there not? I don't, oh, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. It's not. It seemed I just made it up. Have a commune in Thai <laughs> Yeah, probably, I don't know if there has. There've been. There used to be communes everywhere, all over New Zealand, and so I just probably the farmers wouldn't let you have any land. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, they're sitting on Maori land. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's just. It's a brilliant. It's a brilliant part of the book. The stuff that takes place on the commune and just the. Yeah, it's hilarious and um, upsetting. Does anyone else have any questions? I have more, but anybody got burning questions? Okay, I'll ask another one then. Um, I was wondering about the novel as a form. Like, um, you have moved all around in prose and you know, you've written, you know, you've written um, poetry, which could be seen as a novel. I'm just wondering, um, there's, every now and then I hear people decrying sort of the death of the novel and the novel's not relevant. Can you talk a little bit about how you feel about the novel as a form? Um, yeah. It's a oh, huge question. Oh, yes. No, the, the, novel's, <laughs> the novel is just, has always been important and it's more important than ever. I, um, I guess to, you know, just tell to use a narrative to tell something that you can't sort of quite express in any other way. And I think that's this kind of emotional um, ramifications of what what happens to us on this planet. So, you know, I guess I could have just written an essay about climate change, which I don't know much about, so that's another reason to write a novel. But, but I, I guess, yeah, what I'm trying to do is to sort of um, 
you know, sh sugar the pill or just tell, maybe write an equation for something that you can't really express in any other way. And that's how I, that's how I read fiction and hopefully how I write it. Mm. That, um, that, you know, that I guess narratology as a form of telling about what's happening to us and what happens in our lives is what this represents for me. Mm. Um, oh, there's a question. Hello. Hello. Um, Hello. Janice lies a lot uh, to herself and to the reader as well. Um, is, is her dishonesty very important to you? I mean, we haven't spoken of it. I mean, we live in an age of very public dishonesty. So are you saying anything about that? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. And I hoped to make a character who just who who tells the lies that we all tell to ourselves. That and, and again, sort of coming back to the climate change thing, that we we are just lying to ourselves because we're passive sort of travellers with, with what we're doing to the planet, and we don't we just don't stand up. So so that her lying is part of that. Um, but I, I guess on a sort of a character level. I also was interested in creating a character that um, is sort of outrageously lying and we can kind of quite easily see through that and hopefully consider the ways that we, we lie. <laughs> I hope that answers your question. What was that like? Um, I have this um, bad imagination idea of you kind of stepping into Janice in the mornings, writing and then sort of stepping out of Janice. Um, in a body snatches kind of way um, but um, what and this I think is I'm probably playing into that romantic idea of a novelist but does she stay with you yeah what's it like being in a relationship with a narrator like this yeah um, well I wrote it and uh, over some time and had bursts of it but I guess like any character that you're trying to inhabit is sort of like method acting mm. so you are and you know, you are that character while you're writing them, which at times was quite challenging, challenging because Janice is so sort of screwed up. So I, yeah, it, it was a bit draining sometimes. Um, um, yeah, I just uh, another couple of things about that. The during the three weeks of, of editing with um, with Ashley, uh, Ashley. <laughs> so that was just this really concentrated period of just like going through the whole novel, which was the result of you know, a few years sort of on, on and off. And that I actually found quite, um, I felt like I, oh, so Janice, just like get away from me at the end of it. <laughs> Janice, I don't want you flashing with me or anything. So that it was only then, only at that moment, sort of at the end of that, where I felt like I had this huge dose of Janice. But I, but I did want her to be that kind of character that's just sort of annoying and, you know, like nobody wants to flat with Janice. Um, yeah, then the, but the other th aspect of it is that, um, the, the last layer of Janice was her, um, uh, her social media. Mm. So when I, <laughs> so I wrote a whole draft of this without social media and then sort of realised like, hang on, like she's sort of 35, she's just going to be on social media all the time. So I, I did do a bit of research for that and, um, and just put what I kind of saw into her, sort of boiled it down a bit and put that layer in. And and I, th I think that's sort of so much part of Janice and so much part of how 
social media, the curious thing about social media, I'm on social media, but not, not quite like Janice. And the thing that really intrigues me about social media is when people sort of play out their personal conversations that they might just have in their flat on social media. So I just, I wanted to really kind of hammer that one home. Mm. Yeah, about how outrageous that is. <laughs> it's just it's one of the great pleasures of the book actually like it, it's really hilarious because yet again it's this kind of another performance that we do you know like another mm. mask that mm. we put on and, yeah, and yeah. I must admit it was very strange because I was really excited about the book it was like oh I'm reading this amazing book and then I was like oh Janice didn't say thanks for the retweet you know like <laughs> you know like there's this there's this constant thing where yeah like it, it just made my whole relationship to almost everything in my life change and I did just want to just say, maybe this says more about me than anything else, but um, in the end, I, I would love to flat with Janice. You know, in the end, you know, like, I just, no, I just, oh, no, I think I would. I love this woman so much. I just love her so much. Maybe I'm an awful person. I'm definitely an awful person. Um, is there anyone with one more question? Yes, thank you. Good. I, uh, no, I've left Janice behind. Yeah, yeah no, no, it's not another, not another novel about Janice, no. Oh, poor Janice. <laughs> She's away. Um, what, um, uh, uh, is it awful to ask what you're working on now? Am um, I allowed to? You don't yeah, have to um, answer? Yeah, well, um, I, I'm doing two things. I, like, I've got a, I'm doing a poetry uh, book that's going to come out from AUP next year. Yay. So I'm doing a, a, the last sort of draft of that. Um, so trending along with that, and I, um, yeah, have another novel sort of on the on the go. Mm. 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 I'm so glad for that because I really do love you in the novel in the novel form. It's just wonderful. Um, it's last calls. If anyone would like to ask one more question, otherwise we'll close up. Brilliant. Um, Anne will be signing books. I just, I mean, I just can't recommend this book highly enough. And um, I think you should just grab it and read it and laugh a lot, and um, and um, say goodbye to Janice. Um, but um, yeah, thank you so much, Anne. Oh, thank you, Pip. You're thank awesome, you, thank man. Thank you so You're much. So great. Thank you, everybody. So you can ask um, Anne, Anne questions afterwards. Thank you. Mm. Thank you.